In this episode of AV Social, we have residential dealers who've made their way over to commercial, and we talk to them about the marketing and design differences between the two spaces, and how they get to the heart of AV. All that and more on this episode's AV Social. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Social, episode 38. Damn it, I have people skills. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. And by HD Base T. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of AV Social. Today, I am here with my co-host, uh, Don Mead, AV Don. Hello. And we are focusing on residential versus commercial marketing today. So, resumercial. Since the economic downturn 10 years ago, residential dealers have been looking for ways to expand their client base and recoup lost business. This year at Infocom, the show featured an integrated life area that aimed at, the sh- at showing how the same AV can be used at home and in the office. On this episode of AV Social, we'll look at how residential dealers who have gotten into commercial as well as market themselves to this new clientele. And we have some great guests on the show today. Don, would you like to introduce everyone? I sure would. We're really honored today to have with us three guests, all of whom are owners of their companies. All of their companies do both resi and commercial or resi commercial as all the magazines are using. And all three of them just happen to be CDA board members. So allegedly they know what they're talking about. We're going to start out with the lovely Heather Sidorowitz, who is the owner of Southtown Audio Video up in New York. Say hello to everyone, Heather. Hello, everyone. There we go. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of this group. And we're excited to have you. Uh, next, we have Joe Whitaker, who is the owner of The Thoughtful Home in the St. Louis area, not far from our fearless leader, Tim. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you. And last, but by no means least, we have AV Nation's own Matt Scott, who is also, when he's not running shows and running around AV Nation like a crazy man, is the founder and owner of Omega Audio Video up in the great white north of Canada. Hi, Matt. How you doing? Hey, friends. How you guys doing? Very good. Thanks for coming on our show today. Always. So let's get started with a kind of simple question. All three of your companies do both residential and commercial. Some of you took it from the commercial side and shifted to residential, while the others were resi companies, first and foremost, and sort of got into commercial as time went on. What led you and your business to look into the opposite pool as an area of expansion? Uh, Let's start with Heather. Um, I will give you a threefold reason. Um, Reason number one is Lately in Buffalo, New York, there's been a renaissance, uh, major growth. So we have a medical corridor expanding downtown. So could kind of see this growth in Buffalo. Um, Number two reason was young kids. So didn't want to work retail hours. It just doesn't work together when you're trying to, you know, be a lady and do it all. Um, And uh, number three um, was this growth opportunity. So what we realized and maybe underestimated was how much the commercial market was craving 
the attention and the client relationship that residential, I think, has become really good at. So the AV contractors and the commercial side were more like electricians, in and out, not a lot of love, um, and we were able to provide that and really we doubled our business. So that's a great point. Um, coming, coming from the purely commercial side, I, I've seen that in action, unfortunately. Um, Joe, how about you? What, what took the thoughtful home to become, I guess, the thoughtful office in some cases? Um, a ton of things. I mean, the first time we, we experimented with that was in a, another branding uh, back when the housing market took a turn. And those few companies from back then that really did stay alive started getting into a lot of commercial because it was pretty recession proof. Um, now we look at it a little differently than we eventually, than we started, uh, because we have the thoughtful restaurant, which is our, uh, technology for the hospitality, um, environment. But what brought us there was actually looking at it because I mean, no offense to any commercial integrators out there at all. We look at something that's kind of like a resident, you know, uh, residential, but we call it residentiality because we understand how to create lifestyle environments. And it's coming to the point where we see a lot of boutique restaurants, famous chefs opening restaurants and bars, where it's an extension of their kitchen, it's an extension of their dining room, it's an extension of their living space. So they're inviting you into their living space. And um, that branding and that thought process has made a huge boom of success for us, both in here and our offices in Dallas, where in either locations, I mean, if you're a well-known or famous chef, we're kind of your tech provider. And that goes the same into, you know, uh, offices and, and other spaces where kind of that living environment plays in is we're not providing um, the junk you see around when you walk down the strip in Las Vegas and you're like, oh, my God, this crap is so ugly. You just destroyed a design. So that's kind of the, the, the thought process that we take. Okay, great. I would describe that as enhancing technology where you work, live, and play. Yes. The thoughtful world. The thoughtful world. TM. Not yet. <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, how about you? I, I understand you sort of flipped it there. You started in the commercial world and went to residential. What took yeah. you there, my friend? <laughs> the the down downturn of the U.S. economy. No. Um, that that really. Canada. I know, but we had a lot of clients in the U.S. Uh, when when Omega started, we were primarily a house of worship company, and that was really the vertical that we focused on. And when the U.S. economy had its downturn, that business all but evaporated overnight. Um, that's what spurned us into residential. We started doing a lot of residential and bringing some of the, you know, thought process that thought processes that we had in house of worship into the residential space, which wasn't as common at the time locally for us. Um, then we expanded and got back into commercial and, and again, house of worship and, and meeting spaces and, and things such as that. And the biggest thing that I've noticed having kind of done all three phases of this is that there are a lot of really good parts of all three, you know, verticals or, or channels, however you want to look at it. And we, we were able to cherry pick those really good parts and put them all into kind of our go-to-market strategy and make sure that we can focus on, you know, those things. And, and Heather and Joe hit it really well with there's, there's a lot to the, the personal touch that residential has that commercial as a rule does not. And, you know, we were able to pull that. We were able to pull the, 
design thinking approach that comes with doing house of worship and not just focusing on, you know, PA or video systems, but having to, you know, do that entire thing and, and keep in mind the aesthetics of how the stage looks and how you light a stage and, and translate that again into residential and uh, then subsequently into commercial. There's a lot of really good features of all three of those channels. And, you know, when you, when you put them all together and bring them together as one, you can create a, a really dynamic product. That's interesting. So all three of you kind of indicated this, Matt, you sort of summed <laughs> it up nicely there, but um, key differentiation in, in the markets. Um, just in my career, we've seen the shift from you took the cool tech you had at work and demanded it at home to flip the script where now we demand the cool tech that we have at home in our office, where before it was, look at the big TV, I want it in my house. Now it's, look, I can just go like this and put it up on the screen at my house. Why can't I use that swipe technology in the office? Um, so, you know, personal touch, that's one. Do you see any other key differentiators that really give you resimercial um, integrators an advantage over the traditional commercial? Matt, go ahead. If, I, if I can jump on that, probably, you know, everything we spoke of are, are all really good points, but the really the key differentiation point that I see uh, when I look at these these two different markets is that residential, since its inception, uh, has always had to deal with design. We've always had to focus on how technology blends in with the space, how it works with the space, and so often in commercial, you walk into a you know boardroom and it's just yeah we're throwing TVs on the wall here, we're putting VC over there, we're doing this up here, and the design does not usually, there's, there's an AV design, but you're very rarely dealing with, you know, a high end interior designer or someone who is focused on finishes where you have to make that, uh, you know, collaboration to make that space happen. Residential uh, integrators as a rule are fairly well-versed in that. So they can come in and look at a boardroom that has a design, has an aesthetic and say, yeah, we can figure out how to do this. We can do, you know, three panels on the wall that are framed nicely so that they, they, they blend with the woodwork throughout opposed to, yeah, we're just going to hang it on the wall. And it doesn't matter if it comes into the space a foot and a half because we need space for all our gear. There's just a different design focus a lot of times that residential uh, integrators deal with and are well-versed in that a lot of times commercial integrators are not. That is changing but it's not there yet. And to take that a step further, not just design, but solution-based. I think as residential, we were more used to interviewing our clients to really figure out what system was right for them. Um, so it wasn't, you know, here's our conference room system, but what do you really want to do in this room? Do you do video conferencing? Will you ever do video conferencing? You know, what's out there? And we could approach it not from a, I make all my money because I'm going to get you into this brand, which is going to have this re reoccurring revenue for me but we can kind of approach it from that more creative standpoint of, you know what, for what you do, web-based conferencing might be perfect. And, you know, here's the pros and cons of that. Um, so I think that we just kind of have a creative, because we've been being creative for years and years. So I think that, yes, design for sure, and then solution-based. Um, and again, not all are created equal. There's always been great commercial companies out there as well, but I think it just kind of can give us an edge from time to time. I couldn't agree on, on both of those things, but there's one bigger thing that, I, that I've learned over the years is our models. You know, the way, the way a residential company primarily works is we have people skills. Um, you know, it's, it's not just 
sure we're good at sending paperwork to a, a specifier you know which is kind of that commercial model here's the specifications fill in the blanks send it back to us no no no, no, no. when i get those i say okay this is great let me talk to your cto your cfo your ceo your president let me let me see what he wants and what his wishes are not this laundry list of equipment um and I feel that that is very different in the mechanism of the way some of these uh, projects are pushed out is we know how to talk to people. We know how to get in their heads, get out their wants, needs, wishes, weed through all the junk and actually be able to come up with an amazing project. It's a little bit of a different uh, business mechanism. Interesting. Um, one thing I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hearing, and it's kind of ironic since all three of you are board members for Cedia is that what you're indicating. We are not speaking on behalf of the board. These are I get that. No, opinions. No. The legal disclaimer will be listed on the site at the end. Thank you very much. But all three of you <laughs> indicated in your talking about key differentiation that what you're, what it boils down to is you're about the design, about the needs of the customer, the communication with the customer. So in short, you guys are saying that the residential dealers have more of an interest in creating a, a good experience for the customers, which the good ones, the good is, ones. Is, you want everybody, we, everyone should be doing that. That's <laughs> right. that. And, and Heather, that that's the key point. It's not everyone. Don't, don't misunderstand. And, and just like, we're not trying to paint the commercial AV industry with a bad brush. There are fantastic integrators out there. There are also a lot of terrible integrators out there. The Cedia channel is the identical way. It's just that a lot of times there are different approaches, whether it's the way we deal with people in person, the way we market to people. It's all, there are some differences that you will see as a rule, one channel to the other. Can you list, there, some, of those? Can you list some of those of how you would approach a commercial customer versus a residential customer? Just some top line type stuff? I don't. <laughs> you don't approach customers? <laughs> no, I don't approach them any differently. Um, because, you know, everything that, that we've learned over the years as, you know, operating in the residential space is that it doesn't matter who the customer is. If he's the, you know, CEO of Delta Airlines or he's some guy getting a $5,000 system, it doesn't matter. We approach them all the same way with trying to figure out their wants and their needs how we can provide the absolute best experience at the absolute best rates and being able to transition that into a complete project. I mean, that is across the board the way we do it. And, and maybe that's why, you know, you're also starting to see, you know, people in the commercial market starting to tr transition in the residential market is they figured out a way to, to make what they do transition, which may make an easier sales process where, you know, and the way they do things mechanically. So it, it's a two-way street. It's, it's happening on both ends. Everyone's exploring uh, new markets, and it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. Yeah, that, that, that's a huge point. And it's not so much that the approach differs. It's that when you look at the traditional approach of a commercial integrator who often will walk into a space and have their list of, so do you do VC? Check. Do you do this? Check. Do you do this? Check. Okay, we're going to put some microphones in the table, microphones in the ceiling. We'll do this and we'll do this. The normal or, or the average uh, successful residential dealer walks in and has the conversation. It's not a list. It's not a, 
um, it's not this checklist that you go through as you're doing a scope meeting. Um, it, it's the way in which you approach it to walk in and really have that lifestyle conversation of what do you want to do here? Just because you work in, you know, an office doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Um, and, and probably one of the best examples I can put to this is somebody posted something on Twitter uh, just the other day about that living room um, VC concept of having these huddly spaces with low couches, which means all the equipment needs to be which lower. It's so popular now. It's incredibly popular. It's it's, it's casual workspace. Companies changing mm-hmm. over to these spaces, which but we fit right into. <laughs> yeah, but I watched one of the fairly well known um, or very vocal eight, uh, commercial AV people who read that, and all they saw from it was, "Hold on, we're putting VC in living rooms. That's silly." It's like, no, 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 no. There, there's a whole design aesthetic approach that comes to this. There's a whole understanding how your clients want to live their life, even when they're at work and translating that into a a, a scope discussion, but not so rigid in, in the, here's my checklist. Let me bring my clipboard and we'll just mark it off. And how many rooms would you like? 14? Okay. It it just, there's a lot more to the approach uh, and the, the personal touch that, uh, goes into this anymore. Kelly, I would sum it up with it's just human centric. We're just being more maybe human centric versus robotic. And any commercial client or commercial AV company could absolutely do that as well. I've seen a, a national company do a job. They built their website and it's my dream website. And they built it around being human centric. Um, I don't know how much that actually plays tangibly, but it, it's about like we're back to relationship again. Mm-hmm. We are back to how to make life better in the places you work, live, or play. Um, so I think that that the approach is similar, whether it's residential or commercial. Did that answer your question? Kind of. Like, and maybe it's just because I, I'm not super familiar with the residential market. But I mean, it has to be. There has to be different strategies and tactics to. I mean, is it? Is it? It's kind of like business to consumer versus business to business, isn't it? Well, well a little bit? not exactly, not exactly, because you've got to think about, you know, for, for one on commercial and even residential, right? You walk in with, a, whether it's a clipboard or it's in your head, you walk in with a process of ca- product categories, right? You've got displays, you've got video distribution, you got audio distribution, you got, you know, all these things. Both of them want the same things. It's all about, you know, talking about it and getting that concept out, whether they want a big TV, a projector or use cases. I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't matter. It's how you utilize technology in a space and whether you're working or playing, it's all about how you utilize technology in the same space. There should be zero difference. Now, the only place where you can see difference is in the marketing aspect of it. Because you can tailor specific of, things. That's and, kind of and, what I'm getting at is like, just how do you get to these people? Not so much what you do when you get there. I, I get that piece, the relationship pieces, but how do you find these people or how do you, how do you find them, like you said, Matt, in the, in the marketing space? The marketing space gets tougher because you obviously have to focus on who you're trying to go after. So if you're trying to go after that you know, IoT smart home uh, client, the way you market to them is completely different than the way you market to someone who wants an integrated house where everything's connected and connected at a high level. Uh, as far as like the actual pieces, the way you differentiate that client in commercial, the hardest thing, uh, at least for us, when we, when we market to commercial 
is that if we put too much of a residential spin on it, as far as, again, not product, but just that lifestyle piece, um, if we put too much of a residential uh, spin on it, oftentimes the commercial clients will disregard us because, oh, we don't, we must not know what we're talking about because they're so used to getting the same thing and the same type of marketing from commercial. Um, when we're trying to go after that commercial design centric model, uh, it, it comes down to, again, just marketing specifically to that channel and going after companies that we, we have an idea are going to play in that space. So, well, you got You got to hit them in the heart, you know, exactly. and it, you got to hit them in the heart with, with residential it's fear and laughter and with commercial it's budget and time. Line. I mean, if you just stick to those two things on both sides, you're going to succeed. That's the entire reason why we created separate brands um, specific to each one of these categories. But at the end of the day, um, brand is culture. And if it doesn't matter if you're commercial or residential, if you have a culture of quality technology and a human characteristic to speak to a client, you win game over. Um, and that's kind of why you're starting to see a lot of this cross going between the Avixa side and the Cedia side mm -hmm. is we both can provide great experiences, but you know, what is the end result? And that, that's kind of where it falls into those categories. So just, and sorry to go off tangent a little bit here. <laughs> I'm just curious on all this stuff. Um, so like, do you, do you guys find, it difficult to deal with kind of the, the residential versus the commercial folks with manufacturers? No. No? no okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, well, that's talking, for Canada's are, different. Are you dealing, are you dealing with different folks? Are you dealing a little bit? I, I mean, okay. Joe, you can chime in after that too, but, um, there, there's some like secret sauces of all that. So like ADI, who's a really an, a security first company, but through meeting the right people through that, they've become my secret of success because they'll do things like warehouse everything until we're ready to install it. So if it's five eighty inch sharp TVs, then if I'm not picking those up, I don't have to pay for that for that many days longer. So that allows me to grow. That allows for it helps with cash flow, which I think is probably the biggest danger of a, a residential company becoming a commercial company is. Number one is you've got to run your company like a tight ship, right? So don't even get, it has to be because cash flow is the big scary monster of being commercial because now you're not getting deposits for most places, depending on who your clients are and your terms can be 45 to 90 days out. You have to be able to survive that. Um, and I'm just going to touch back on the last point, putting money where their mouth is on um, we closed our doors to retail a few months ago. Um, that I did an article on that, and it was interesting how many people came up to me at this past CEDIA to comment on that. Like, oh, I read that article, and I really think you did the right thing. But we're not. We didn't get out of our space. We're still here, and we're redesigning that space into a experience center, an innovation center. Um, it can be a training room. It can be used and rented to kind of show, you know, right? Put our money where our mouth is. To, so if you can't maybe afford at this point, because you're a small company or a medium company, a $50,000 AV system in your your plate, you then rent ours. And then the goal is, once you understand and see the simplicity of that, then maybe you know, you'll know you say, great, I want that eventually. Or maybe you'll do four meetings a year. So it's really kind of a creative and how to think outside the box 
to put that forth. And we can meet again at Infocom and I'm either going to cry or tell you this is going really well. <laughs> you know, for, for us from a, sorry, Joe. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. For, for us being, being Canadian, we have a different distribution model uh, than most of the U.S. does. Really? Really, it's true. <laughs> uh, so for us, yes, um, that is one of the biggest challenges in doing both residential and commercial is that we actually double our supplier list because there are very few vendors that give us a large swath of commercial products and a large swath of residential products. We do have some crossover, but on a weekly basis, I probably deal with 10 to 15 different suppliers because that's who we have to deal with to get you know one or two projects done, especially if we're working in different veins. Um, it, it just, it's the way it is. Here in the U.S., it is, isn't that bad because, you know, Heather gave a great example with ADI. Now, the warehousing thing is one of the great benefits, but, you know, that's one of those where in residential, we might get Sony TVs, but in commercial, we're getting, you know, JBL controls and crown amplifiers. And then we have another vendor that we get certain residential products. But on the commercial side, we're getting QSC, Bosch, Bosch Pro. Um, so they do kind of intermixed. Uh, and we have the same rep. You know, we, we've talked to the exact same guy. And I've been known to call in and place a multi-skew order for both residential and commercial stuff at the exact same time. I'm like, send this here, send that there, send this here. I want it all at one time. So uh, for, for us, yeah, all the way down to microphone, Sennheiser and Sure and everything else, it, here it blends pretty seamlessly. And if you know product, you know product. If you know 70 volt, you know 70 volt. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's pretty universal at this point. And it's one of those on either side, it doesn't matter uh, which side you're on. Exploring the other side is not a bad thing as long as you're making a good business model behind it so that you don't fail. Yeah, it really does sound like when you do combine them and you're able to successfully, you've got the best of both worlds. The only thing you can't combine is what I got out of over a year ago and what Heather got out of is retail. You know what? Leave. If you're listening, leave. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Get out but while you quick, can. I mean, do, do a lot of integrators, though, have retail shops? I mean, I, I you know just coming strictly from the commercial side in my history, I've never worked for a place that had them. We would send people up the street to ADI when they needed just to pick up a retail thing. Um, Some people still do. Some people still do. It's not as popular as it used to be. There's a handful I could name around the nation off the top of my head, but. Well, there's a CD does that in their size and scope, don't they? I think they actually mm -hmm. have some numbers. I feel like it's still a higher number. Like it, it, it's, it's a higher number. It's 50%, isn't it? it it's up there. Um, Close the, too. The really interesting side of it is that I have not, I think I can count on one hand the number of times a commercial vendor or manufacturer has come up to me and demanded that I had some sort of retail or showroom experience. Whereas in residential, I get asked at least 60 to 70% of the time if I have and a And sometimes it's mandatory. And, and sometimes it's mandatory. And... You know, I, I was talking with a friend of mine uh, yesterday who's in a slightly different vertical, more musical instrument based, and he had a large company that would not sell to him because he does not have brick and mortar. And it, it's one of those, it's not a, it's something you can buy anywhere. Right. But they would not give him in his CI channel 
essentially a a dealership because he did not have a brick and mortar. And I can name, which I won't, but I can name a bunch of manufacturers in the residential realm who will not give you anything. And again, half of their product is widely available online, but you can't have it unless you're brick and mortar. Why? No idea. It's 1999, (laughs) it seems. Yeah. Well, Matt, uh, I would like, since you have some in here on AV Nation, I would love as a CDA board member to find those numbers and maybe put those in the show notes for folks that are watching this if they are interested in those numbers. That'd be very interesting. Um, I think that we've pretty well covered this. Uh, You guys gave us marketing tips. You gave us key differentiators. We we, we covered all of our prepared questions plus more. Um, Let's just kind of do a last word. Uh, We'll start with Joe. Hey, what, what's your last word on the thought of Resi Marshall and, and combining these worlds? So, so my, my last thought is um, don't be afraid to step in the door. Uh, a great place to start is, you know, uh, the restaurant clientele, hotels. Don't be afraid to go in there and actually talk to them and see what their needs are. And if you're out there and you see something ugly, tell them, I know somebody that could do that better. Here's a card. You know, don't don't be afraid to do that. We do that all the time. Uh, and, and it works. So, I mean, don't fear that change. If you really do feel you can offer something better, do it. Great. Heather, how about your final word on the topic? Um, know your niche and play within it. So you really have to know what you want to go after. So you can say, you know, it's not going to be the TVs, although you know, they're the prettiest part with not a great margin, right? But, um, so you got to know what your niche is. So it's residential, immersive technology, corporate, educational. What, where do you want to play and, uh, and be the best at that space? Uh, make sure your business is put together rock solid before you play in that space. Um, and then, yeah, I agree with Joe. Knock on the door, get in there, and you never know what your possibilities might be. Excellent. Matt, any final thought from you? Know your limits. <laughs> that, that, that's, the, that's the one issue I have with Resi Marshall is too often people, on both sides, uh, and it doesn't matter what channel you're in or where you play. Know your limits um, so that you're not doing your customers a disservice. Yeah, there's nothing more painful than losing a job no. and then seeing the other proposal that's like, this is a DJ system. Just ridiculous. Department. Yeah. Play within, play with, it's like gambling, play within your limits, know where you're don't at. Don't compromise yourself, right? When you know, you know, just lose the job because they'll come back. Yeah. So know your limits scared. and walk away. Don't be scared to not stay in your lane, but know your limits. Yeah. Yep. What we're here. All right. Great. Well, I can't speak for anyone else, but I know myself having only played in the commercial market. I learned a lot during this chat today. Uh, I want to thank Joe and Heather and Matt all for coming on the show today. Um, Joe, let's start with you. Where can people find you in person, on the internets, anything like that? Uh, any CD event, you, you know, you're going to find me there on the good old internet. So you can find me at, at the thoughtful home on Facebook at thoughtful home on Twitter and uh, anything CD related. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming on. Heather, how about you? Where can folks find you in the real world and in the virtual world? Um, well, here in Buffalo, New York, you can you know look me up, Southtown Audio Video. Uh, socially, I'm probably most active on Twitter, which is uh, tech underscore chi, C-H-I, um, not by my name. So it's uh, kind of a fun alter ego. You'll actually hear exactly what I'm thinking, right, Matt? <laughs> no, not at all. You're very veiled on that. 
and yeah, on the CDA world too. Um, probably not as much as Mr. Whitaker, but uh, I try to be out there. Outstanding. Thank you. And Matt, of course, where can folks find you other than Canada? Yeah, you can find I'm I'm the entire country. Uh, but you can find me pretty much anywhere. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Matt D. Scott, and every other social platform. You can find me on Aviation as the host of ResiWeek. You can find me at Cedia. You'll find me at Infocom and Avixa. I'm everywhere. And you're everywhere to me, so. Oh, hard. Thanks, Matt. Thank all three of you for a really good day today. Oh, I can't forget my lovely co-host, Kelly. Where can we find you online? Um, LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitter at NSCA underscore Kelly, um, or the NSCA Foundation, the Ignite Initiative specifically. Um, but yeah, I want to thank all you guys. This was a cool show. It was, again, kind of coming from the commercial side um, in both manufacturing and integration. It's, it's cool to learn new stuff. So thanks for, thanks for today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, lear- I, I, I really legitimately did learn a lot today, and I, I really appreciate having all of you on here. My name is Dawn Mead. You'll find me here on AV Nation, hosting AV Social, and apparently or occasionally appearing on AV Week or some other shows. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and other social places as at AV Dawn. And I also work as an end user now, not as a commercial uh, integrator any longer. So look for me there, look for me anywhere, and I'm usually at Infocom the show sponsored by Avixa, the organization. So thanks for coming. Uh, We hope you all enjoyed this episode of AV Social. Bye-bye.